You're listening to Metrics and Chill, where you'll learn how to improve key metrics that grow your business from companies that have done it before. In this episode, I got to chat with Tim Sulo, CMO at Ahrefs. We talked about how they think about tracking or not tracking different KPIs or setting goals. Tim shared dozens of insights around the unmeasurable ripple effects your content has, the exposure effect, how people build brand awareness, affinity, and trust through content, using content to remove strain from your customer support team, why he believes in paying to promote content, the metric that they use to prioritize which content to create next to drive signups and sales, and a lot more. I hope you get as much out of this episode as I did. Tim? It is great to talk to you again. Thank you so much for coming on Metrics and Chill. I uh, this is like I said, this is going to be a different kind of interview, uh, and I'm really excited to chat and hear how you're thinking about goals and uh, setting them, reporting, tracking or not tracking uh, metrics. So thanks so much for coming on. Uh, thanks a lot for having me. I hope the the conversation will be valuable to to anyone who's listening. We always start asking. Um, you know, to give like the 30 second pitch, you know, for the product or company, you obviously, I mean, everybody knows Ahrefs, but for like maybe the 10 people listening who somehow have never heard of it, can you describe what Ahrefs does and who it's for? Uh, Ahrefs helps people who have websites to get found in Google and pretty much other search engines uh, or more so businesses or people who provide uh, product who create products, services, uh, or have some unique information, and they want to find an audience who is looking for that in search engines. Uh, these people need to be using a tool like Ahrefs, which helps them understand uh, what their target audience is searching for and how to get to the uh, top of Google. That's basically what uh, Ahrefs is all about. Yeah, and we we don't just create tools; we create tons and tons of educational materials, whether videos or articles or courses which are free, uh, where we help people, we educate them uh, how to get their stuff found online. Yeah, the content you all produce, like I was saying, is amazing. Uh, so we're, we'll get into that in, in just a moment. I have a lot of questions around that, actually. I want to now, for our listeners, I've told Tim I'm going to do this. Um, so like I said, this is going to be a little bit different of an episode. If you listen regularly, you know that basically we start with like, how you set goals, you know, reporting what what that culture looks like, and then we kind of dig into like one specific KPI you focused on growing, what percentage or number you grew up by, and kind of dive into that. Um, Tim and the Ahrefs team approach things a little bit differently. So to give you an idea of that uh, and why I'm kind of throwing the the uh, the standard outline episode outline out the window, I wanna I wanna set the stage here. So Tim, w- when we were getting started, Tim said. Uh, you know, obviously the company is bootstrapped and they focus on setting holistic goals. They try to improve everything gradually versus like moving the needle on one metric and they don't measure things, you know, that a lot of marketers would. Um, and he has a really good pinned tweet. You should go check out, uh, follow Tim on Twitter and go check out this pinned tweet, at least at the time of this recording, uh, that's there about measuring ROI on content marketing and effectively, um, you posted that you invest heavily in content marketing, but you don't track the individual metrics around them. You don't even track, for example, how many leads you get from uh, a single article or articles organically, or even CPA, uh, the CPA of paid ad- ads sent to these articles. And the key here is because, and I took away two things from the thread, you know what works 
uh, for one. Uh, so there's this deep belief that come, you know, in what you're doing, regardless of kind of what the initial numbers say. And you're looking at the wider ripple effects, not just this immediate, uh, maybe tied to signups, but you're looking at a whole bunch of things you listed that I want to get into, like brand affinity and brand recognition and trust and all kinds of other things. Um, so can you talk a little bit about your, let's start here. Uh, what is your methodology around setting goals? Like, there's a lot you don't set. So, what does it look like to set holistic goals at Ahrefs? Uh, yes. Yeah, so, you rightfully mentioned that we are bootstrapped, uh, and we are lucky to have the founder who kind of understands marketing. Even though our founder Dmitry, uh, he is an engineer himself, so I think he still does a little bit of coding now and then when he needs to solve some challenging problem that uh the company is facing technically uh he's an engineer he's a like very talented and super smart engineer but he understands marketing really well he understands the value of marketing uh and uh, in a lot of kind of strategic decisions of where our marketing department or marketing team or marketing strategy was going he actually participated and uh, helped to as they say separate the wheat from the chaff uh helped us focus on the big picture things instead of uh, focusing on those growth hacks uh, and all that. Because uh, I'm not sure how, how it is done in uh, other companies, but we did try at some point in time tracking all sorts of metrics. And uh, apart from the fact that uh, different tools and softwares would report different metrics in different ways. So when we try to set up uh, a conversion funnel with uh, three analytics system, I think one of them was Kissmetrics, not sure if it is still around. Uh, another one was Mixpanel and another one was Wupra. And I think we fed all these uh, softwares from another software called, I think it's called Segment. Uh, that where you can connect, where you can feed segment the same data and then uh, different other analytic softwares connect to it and uh, use the same data. And uh, we set up the, the funnel in those different uh, analytic softwares and the numbers were different. So the, the conversion percentages of different steps in the funnel were different by, I don't know, 0 0.5, 0 0.7%. So while those growth hacker marketers, some of those growth hacker marketers are saying like, if you improve your bottom line by 0.7%, come on, there's a discrepancy of 0.7% between right. the tools already. Like, how do you know what you're... Like, yeah, that's uh, a lot can be said about the, the quality of analytics and what is being tracked, what isn't being tracked, because that technical stuff is quite sophisticated, like even like session, how it is being tracked, like what happens when a tab uh, sits in the browser for days and people uh, get back to it, people open and open their browser, open and open their uh, computer. There's a lot of technical stuff. And where I'm going with that is that it can actually require, uh, it might require a dedicated person and sometimes even an analytics team to be working on that and uh, to be prodding the developers team. Like, can we integrate this? Oh, I think this script is not working properly, blah, blah, blah. So there's a ton of effort to implement this tracking. 
and to keep it uh, to keep it working smoothly as you make any changes to your product as you make any changes to, to your pages uh, and all that so there's a lot of work and uh, like the data that you get aside from not necessarily being particularly precise how it is helpful how is it helpful and how is it indicative of the real value that you're getting uh, that is also questionable so we approach it differently we approach it from the simple uh, standpoint that a piece of content that gets traffic and talks about your product and how it is helpful in a given context cannot not bring value because if you have a piece of content and every month let's say even a hundred people are visiting this article this article talks about some kind of problem that they're having or some uh, area of interest that they have and this piece of content showcases your product in good light it, it explains how your product is helpful how it is useful how it is better than some alternatives how is it not valuable if somehow can explain to me if someone can explain to me how is it not valuable <laughs> then I might change my opinion, but I think it's it's not possible. So yeah, the simple the simple underlying idea behind our content marketing is that creating content that helps people gets traffic because of course if your article is lying somewhere in the archives on your blog and no no one is visiting it, then of course it, it doesn't bring a lot of value for a business. But if if this article is ranking in Google for uh, things related to the uh, questions or problems that people are, are, are having and this article contains uh, mentions of your product use cases showcases it does have value even if it doesn't convert right then and there it does have value right because you know you've you've done the research to know that there are there is search volume behind it you know it has a chance of ranking or is already ranking you can see that you're getting eyeballs on it and this is what why i think everyone should go check out your thread you alluded to these other ripple effects that uh, that are uh even if someone did care to take a different approach and measure some of the things there's other ones like um let me see i wrote it down here because i wanted to talk to uh, wanted to talk to you about it later but i'm always undisciplined and i skip around so um uh the exposure effect so effectively you reference this idea that the more people see you the more people or the more people hear you if it's podcasting whatever and the more people consume things the more they feel like they know you and there's just this built trust and built recognition so you referenced your articles even driving things like that. Like it may be something like someone consumes three Ahrefs articles, educating them. Three months later, someone says, hey, anyone know a good, you know, in a marketing group, someone's like, does anyone know a good guide to on-page SEO? And they send them your article or say, go look this up. And there's no way maybe you're tracking every little detail of that, but that's what's happening behind the scenes. Yeah, absolutely. You, you're actually pushing me to launch into an hour-long monologue about the <laughs> ROI of content marketing and all those different ripple effects. Uh, but another one that, that I don't see mentioned uh, among content marketers is uh, removing the strain from your customer support team. Because mm. if your content actually educates people on how your product works, and why people see what they see when they do X, Y, and Z, 
then people don't need to harass your support team unless of course something goes wrong then then yeah you need to talk to support and sure. report a bug or whatever but in terms of questions why i see this or where can i find that if there's educational content and it's not necessarily even uh blog content it's youtube as well if, if you search for href tutorial you'll see tons of them so it helps our customer support team we have tens of thousands of paying customers and i believe we have hundreds of thousands of people who are using our software for free because we have a free plan and our support team is around 10 people around 10 people for wow. tens of thousands of paying customers and and we we have a chat so even a free customer anyone listening to this can can go and check uh you sign up for a free account you click the intercom chat button and you talk to to a real person uh, someone will reply to you so about a about just 10 people managed to handle this many customers and the reason for this is educational content because we have so many educational content we have articles we have courses we have videos so uh like the i think the the, the conventional knowledge of uh SaaS growth and marketing is that when people sign up for your product you have to walk them towards the aha moment uh, where they understand how it works, they figure it out and they start using it. So uh, in our case, maybe it's just the type of the company we have, maybe it doesn't apply to our products, but we flip the script. In our case, the aha moment happens before you sign up to Ahrefs. It's actually the reason why you sign up to Ahrefs. So you have a problem. For example, you want to uh, get more traffic, more search traffic to your website. So you search uh, how to how to get more traffic to your website. You find an article by uh, Ahrefs. Uh, it would be probably some general article on different ways to get traffic, but then you go into the rabbit hole of learning about SEO, learning about uh, building proper websites, learning about content marketing and all that. And in the way you pick up tons of use cases of how to use Ahrefs, and this basically persuades you, aha, this is how the software works. This is what I need it for. So when you sign up, you don't need any further hand holding or explanations of what to do. And you don't need to harass our customer support team. You already know your way around because you've seen so many use cases. You've seen so many screenshots. You've watched some tutorial videos. So yeah, the aha moment already happened. You just come and use the software and you get what you need out of it. So that's, that's the value of content that uh, I don't see uh, a lot of people talk about. People just figure out how to use your software without you having to. Again, uh, we are about to cross 100 million in annual recurring revenue. And only this year, we started hiring salespeople because we wanted to uh, work with enterprise companies that are signing up for our accounts because they need like all the paperwork and blah, blah, blah. So enterprise companies are different. So we are a bootstrap company, uh, which got to like a hundred uh, million dollar ARR without sales. Yeah. How? Because people figure out everything from our content. They, they don't need to speak to anyone. They can get all the information they need uh, from our content, from our website, from our blog, from our YouTube channel. Uh, this contributed a lot and this allowed us to, to, to scale and to get to where we are uh, without uh, people without having some some people talk to every customer to persuade them to to sign up and to to teach them how to use the tools do those demos you know when you go to some software website 
uh, and you want to, to buy the software, but no, you have to speak to sales, you have to book a demo where someone would show you how it works. We don't need to do this. We have all this content. Yeah, I mean, it's a huge testament to uh, both the educational content, which is extensive and really, really well done. If you've never, if you've never seen it and you're in content, um, you need, you know, you need to go browse the Ahrefs blog. But um, it's also testament to the ease of use of the product. I know I've used, I, I use and I like, uh, I have used in a past life when I was more into SEO. I've used and I like a lot of tools. Ahrefs is always felt like very clean, very like easy to use, simple user interface to me. Um, I, so okay, so I want to go back to something that you said um, at the beginning. I have so many questions around this content I'm itching to get into, but before I jump into that, um, what what goal? Like, is there any goals? Like, do you meet with Dimitri on a quarterly, monthly, annual basis? Are are you? Is there anything that sort of the marketing team is tied to, like MRR or ARR, or are you just even aware of these trends? Like, hey, MRR is up a little bit this month. Um, it, like, is there any main thing that you are all looking at and sharing with the rest of this team? Uh, like, hey, this month we got twenty thousand signups or whatever, or you know, five thousand paying accounts. Like, what if it would be cool to hear? Like, for all the things you're not, like, what are the few things that maybe are on your radar? Uh, so in seven years that I've uh, been working at Ahrefs, no, I never had this kind of conversation with Dmitry, like uh, any reports, any KPIs, any metrics that, no, I, I'm actually, uh, I'm actually not being completely uh, fair here because I was asking those questions to Dmitry, like, do you want me to, to have ownership of some KPI? Like, what should I be growing? Uh, and we had, we actually had this, uh, this conversation uh, early on, maybe in the first year when I joined the company and I was the only marketer in the team. Uh, back then uh, in 2015, uh, we were a team of uh, 16 people and I was the only marketing person. And I was like, Dmitry, so like, what's, what, what's my goal? Like, what should I be doing? Uh, like, get more traffic to the blog, increase conversions. Like, what are the objectives? And he said, we need to grow the number of our customers and we need to grow our revenue. And I was like, but you cannot put the responsibility on the number of customers and revenue on a single marketer while the product has much, much more uh, power in that than, than marketing. Because if the product is not good, then no one will be buying it. And Mitri, yeah, of course I understand, but like, uh, I cannot focus you on any individual metric because then you might be growing it at the expense of something else. Mm. So for example, uh, if my uh, metric was to get more email leads, so I know a lot of companies, they are obsessed with email leads. This is why they have uh, all sorts of gated content, content, PDF downloadables and such to collect people's emails and then uh, harass them with uh, follow-up messages. So for example, if Dmitry would set me a goal of uh, email leads that I need to get, uh, you can imagine that our entire website would be uh, rife with signup forms. They would be everywhere. They would be like pop-ups, they would be exit pop-ups, they would be stalking you, uh, retargeting would, would tell you like, please sign up to, to our email list or something. So whatever metric you set, uh, it would be, uh, 
can, uh, it would be optimized uh, not necessarily in the best interest of the company to put it this right. way and the other day I even asked him okay so like we don't have any any kind of North Star uh, another buzzword in in the world of SaaS uh, North Star metric that we should focus on what about the revenue uh, if we see any strategy that can grow our revenue but might be detrimental to I know our company values and how we do marketing uh, is it okay if we sacrifice the revenue growth to to retain our I know philosophy uh, our ideas and what we believe in and he said yeah absolutely so even revenue is not the ultimate metric that that we're growing uh, and a simple uh, a simple simple example of that is that we don't have retargeting so when you when you go to Ahrefs website and you use that plugin that identifies if we have any retargeting pixels of Google, Facebook, uh, or any other uh, social network or any other advertising platform that can retarget you, we don't have any of those pixels on our website. And uh, a lot of marketers would say that this is a enormous lost opportunity because there are lots of people who are visiting our website and we could retarget them with all sorts of things this could be our content this could be our courses this could be our special offers this could be our feature updates there's a ton of things you can do with people who visited your website and you want to get in touch with them again but we don't do this because we think it's 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 not what it's it's off brand for us we don't want to stalk people uh, on social media just because they visited us and be yet another company that like is doing everything in their powers to squeeze another dollar from people so yeah uh, there's there's no single metric that we would optimize towards uh, we look uh, at everything and we use a lot of common sense uh, in making our decisions so this is a perfect segue because you, you said common sense and something that struck me when you were talking about Dimitri early on, uh, the way that Dimitri thinks about this and the way that you think about this, especially like you reveal this in, in the pin thread that I read, um, you said, you know, what's working. And I, it seems like part of what makes you a unique company is Dimitri and you have this ability to sort of reverse engineer common sense human behavior. Like, hey, we know that when we're looking for a problem, we go to YouTube or we go to Google and we look at it and we're not going to sign up for any product right away. But if that brand gets enough, you know, in front of us enough times and we like them and they don't annoy, <clears throat> excuse me, annoy us with spam or retargeting and, the, you know, and it's good. And it even seems like this, I mean, I, I have the benefit of talking to you before and I know your relentless commitment to quality. It's even this idea of like, if the content is even like branding good, like visually good, uh, audibly good, it connotates this impression that the product is going to be good too. You, you have this really just reverse engineered basic human behavior, like holistic view of things do you think that's fair? Is that like a right way to summarize how you how you approach channels and like what you decide to invest in? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I also think uh, a good word, a good keyword to mention here is uh, observation. Just observing what happens around you and uh, making the right conclusions. I, I can give you a few uh, 
very straightforward examples slash stories from uh, about how we came to some of our marketing slash business decisions. So shortly after joining HF and coming to Singapore, I started networking with the local community of digital marketers. And I went to this uh, SEO conference uh, locally and I was wearing HF's t-shirt. And so uh, a guy, a uh, SEO professional approached me and said, are you from HRFs? Oh, I'm using your tool, blah, blah, blah. And he started connecting me with other people. And when, whenever he introduced me, every time he, as he was introducing me to a new person, he was saying, uh, this is Tim, he's from HRFs. If you're not using this SEO tool, it is amazing. Uh, yeah, their website copy is uh, a little bit shitty. Their English is not perfect, but the data, oh my God, they have the best data in the industry. And he was literally saying this almost every time. They have amazing data. They, their data is most accurate, most beautiful, blah, blah, blah. So that day I came home from this conference and I realized what was the main message that I as a marketer had to be spreading among people. HRFs is best because we have the best data. So we put it front and center on our homepage. We had like a section with big numbers. Uh, we, we make it really stand out. And in our articles, we, we, we were stressing like how we are better with data. Uh, and this is how uh, people started noticing it and people started telling it to each other because you cannot talk about things you don't have. So we really had great data and they realized that Okay, one of our customers is already talking about this. All they need to do is uh, fuel the fire, so to say, and attract people's attention that we have great data uh, and they will start, start talking about it. So this is a simple example of how observing what happens, what already happens around you can be a strategy. Uh, another, uh, another case is that uh, once uh, I took uh, a uh, drawing pad uh, from office uh, home. So we had a drawing pad that no one was using and my wife uh, likes drawing, likes art and I took it for her to test uh, if she would like it. So when I connected this drawing pad to my computer at home, I didn't know what to do because I never used this uh, hardware before. So what I did is I went to YouTube, I searched for this model and they added the word tutorial. And I was like, okay, do people do this when they use hrefs? Do they search for hrefs tutorial? I bet they do. And this is also how I realized that we should be uh, investing into creating educational videos on YouTube so that people who struggle with our product would go on YouTube and find tutorials just like I did with this uh, drawing pad. And uh, I have many more stories to tell of how simple observations of my behavior, of, of behavior of uh, people in the industry of behavior, like people from other industry of, of other consumers or other people who have problems led to decisions that just make sense. You cannot argue that this makes sense because you're doing this. Someone else is doing this. This is kind of makes sense. Yeah, I absolutely love these examples. I think about I think about uh, um, examples like this all the time. And I love I love how clearly like you're showing the approach of like we didn't a you know a b test the home page i just literally talked to one customer who it's like how did you know it wasn't even like oh we did this official you know icp like write up that we knew he fit it was like no someone's passionate enough to recognize my shirt and go introduce me to a bunch of people and this is the 
feature or the value or the pain solve that he likes most, we're just going to update the homepage and we'll see how that goes. And then we'll, you know, continue making these observations. So, yeah. Um, yeah, this, this is awesome. Out of curiosity, uh, before we, I, I have a couple questions around content. Do we, um, are you, you are doing some paid, right? And like, what would be like the rough split if you are between like paid and kind of like, let's call like YouTube, podcast guest appearances uh things like that like what do you do that's like strictly well you're doing uh podcast sponsorships too which is like a fuzzy line but like what what's traditional paid ads like what percentage of that makes up what you do i have no idea very (laughs) yeah (laughs) i i have no idea how much we're spending on marketing uh per year in general so for that i would have to sum up uh, all the salaries of all the people who work in marketing, plus uh, pull up all the invoices whenever we sponsor any podcast or working with different partners, plus pull the information from uh, our Facebook uh, ad- advertising account, Google advertising account, etc., uh, and sum it up. And I don't know, I never did that. I'm, I'm too lazy to do that, and I, I'm not sure what I'm going to do with this information. Okay, we spent a million. Okay, it's 800,000, not a million. Okay, it's a million and 200,000. So, yeah. so, yeah. L- what? What? It, yeah, it's, uh, it, there's just no point in measuring it. So, yeah, we, we do the same approach. So, we know that we create content. We know that this content is helping people. For example, when we create uh, a course, a uh, be- beginner's course to SEO, uh, we invest effort in creating it. We know that if people take this course, they will learn something useful and then we'll, they will learn how our tools can help them achieve their goals. Why not promote this course with ads? Why not pay some partners who can talk about this course in their newsletters, on their Twitter accounts, in their podcasts? Because it makes sense. Again, I have a story about this. So uh, in my previous life, uh, I was working as a DJ in the nightclub. And I think we were, uh, we wanted to do a promotion uh, for, I think it was a Valentine's Day or something like this. So what, what the management wanted to do, they wanted to uh, rent a truck. They wanted to put uh, some audio equipment there, a DJ, and they want to run this truck around the city. And we have a pretty small city, just a few main streets. Uh, the music was playing, would, would be playing, there would be some banners come to, to the club, blah, blah, blah. So they calculated the costs of uh, renting the truck per hour and the costs of uh, renting all the equipment and actually paying the salary to the DJ who won't be doing this for free uh, as well. I was the DJ and I wasn't going to do this for free, of course. Uh, So uh, I don't remember the exact numbers, but basically, let's say the the cost of uh, equipment and the DJ for one for 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 the performance would be five hundred dollars. Uh, and the the price of renting the truck for an hour would be $50. And these guys, the management, they were trying to decide if they should take uh, this truck for two hours or three hours. And I was, come on, you're spending $500 already. Can't you just add $50 and right. these $500 would have an hour more of exposure? Can't, can't you think logically about this? So it's the same situation. If you spend time to create uh, content, if you spend time to create features in your product, 
it does make sense to to spend promoting it how much it is really hard to tell because it is really hard to measure uh there's this famous phrase uh along the lines of uh, out of two dollars that i spent on advertising uh one goes to waste but it's a shame i don't know which one yeah so that's the thing you know it works but you you, you don't know which works better and uh, all that so that's how we approach it i um it reminds me of a quote that i heard from jason freed uh you know, for anyone who doesn't know, founder of Basecamp. And um, he said something along the lines of goal setting, which I really liked and resonated with because as in my marketing career, anything I've done typically has been like the first iteration of the thing. So you have no idea, like you have nothing to benchmark it against. You have no idea how much to expect. Um, Usually there wasn't a ton of paid behind it. So you had even less idea of what to expect. And he had this, he had some saying around, you know, kind of like what's the point their ethos on setting goals was like what's the point of like forecasting way out and setting these goals you're either high and then you're hitting you know you're like oh we could have done better and you raise it the next year but you don't exactly know you're going to hit it or you're low and then you feel crappy about yourselves for a while like just do your best and put your best foot forward um so yeah there's these these are very rare opinions and voices you know in, in the industry but um but i like hearing them yeah, um, with uh, with measuring, there's always a dilemma. If you measure something and it's not good, should you work to improve it and make it good, or should you abandon it? How do you decide? That's that's a really challenging question. Especially when you, it sounds like content, um, very investments in very high quality educational content is at the core of what you do. So you're not running even like so many traditional paid ads, but you're going to run paid ads to a piece of content or, you know, you're going to promote organically or like you said, like you're even going to pay an influencer or a podcast sponsor or a newsletter to talk about a piece of content, not even just the product. So, which I love. Um, but yeah, there, there seems like there's this inflection period where if you, you know, this, we talked about this, uh, you know, the last time you and I chatted on a podcast, it's like, especially with this type of content there's it's like you do it for a while and kind of nothing happens like you see this all the time on seo people share this like everyone's sharing these screenshots of like this inflection point that eventually hits for some people it's six months for some it's 12 and if you stop at any point before then and there's lots of reasons to like there's no major growth for a lot of it beforehand then all of a sudden it takes off it's like that's the tricky thing i think you're alluding to is how long do you keep going? Like when the numbers come back and things don't seem to be going well, do you quit at month three? Do you quit after the 10th guest podcast? Do you quit, you know, whatever the endeavor is that you're running, especially with content before there's this inflection point. It seems to me like this observational marketing strategy, this reverse engineering human behavior and knowing this gut feel of like knowing what's going to work helps you and the team kind of get through the dip of, what any numbers would report badly. I mean, besides the fact that you're not looking at them, so you get no bad news. You just kind of keep going and, and with what you believe. Um, but that, but that gets you through. Um, all right, uh, I want to be respectful of your time, so I'll wrap up with a couple content questions here. This has been awesome. Um, so, you invest, like I said, a lot in high quality content. Something fun I want listeners to go check out is go look up YouTube. 
uh, in YouTube, search out Ahrefs. I think it's like type in Ahrefs seasonal SEO or something. And one of the commenters pointed out that, th- I mean, I'm, just, I'm using this as an example to showcase how, uh, how committed you are to like the tiniest details when you say quality. Like a lot of people say quality content. And one of the commenters pointed out, you all are changing the thumbnail of that seasonal SEO, like YouTube video every season. So like uh, before Thanksgiving, it'll be like a turkey. And the one I saw was like, uh, I think whoever it is that's running your YouTube videos, like wearing you in a baby carrier or something. Yeah. <laughs> it was really great. Yeah. Um, so uh, you know, the most hilarious thing is that I didn't even know that they would do uh, this kind <laughs> of uh, thumbnail. So uh, it was uh, it was Sam. Uh, Sam is the guy who is doing our videos. It was he trolling me. We, we actually do integrate some of the subtle trolling of each other uh, in some things. And we, we really uh, like it when people spot this because we are, we are kind of sharing this little uh, moment of uh, yeah, making fun of each other. I think this is a huge trend um, and like intentional strategy more companies should adopt. I know, uh, speaking of educational content, when I was learning Webflow, they, they have an incredibly, they're, they're similar to you, like they have an incredibly robust, um, almost like a course that you can watch and they just put it on YouTube. They just duplicate it out so it's like a playlist and you can go through all the videos. And as you're going through, they walk you through building a website from scratch with Webflow and um, there's just so many subtle touches of humor. I like every video, there's like one spot that makes me laugh and it's crazy what I've perceived that to do on my brand affinity for Webflow, and just like, oh, they're they're not just showing me how to use their product. Like they have a sense of humor. Like they're, you know. Anyway, um, so all this to so say, you that just made a marketing observation. These observations are happening all the time for me, and that's what drove a lot of like marketing for me in the past. Was just, I, you know, yeah. This is how how do you behave. put ROI on on uh, including jokes in in uh, video tutorials? There is no way to you you feel that you develop brand affinity when you get those jokes and you feel that it improves your watch time and you you expect to, to, to hear more jokes. But it's really hard to, to prove it in a report that this is what we need to be doing, especially yeah. before you do this. So yeah, if you, uh, and again, uh, f- to prove this, you need to create two sets of videos, one with jokes and one without jokes. And then say, you see, our videos with jokes are performing better than what, one ones without jokes. But who has time to do this? I'm because good, if you yeah. do this on one video, you, you, you might not get conclusive data. To do right. This. Yeah. And you use some invasive tracking and watch their facial expression through their monitor and you track <laughs>, laughs per video, LPV, and you, you know, make a chart that it's going up and to the right. Um, so, yeah, you, you all have this, you know, you told me before when I spoke with you, you don't invest in a channel unless you know you can do it right. And that's part of your, like, marketing philosophy you alluded to earlier that you... I mean, you, on one hand, you like to bootstrap and kind of get started. You don't want like a ton of input or friction to just putting something out and testing it. Um, but it seems like when you lean into something, you, you do it well. And something that caught my eye specifically, because selfishly, I'm curious about this, of how we could do better at this at Databox, um, but I think a lot of listeners as well, you, a lot of your content seems to have this thrust that you are promoting a product or a feature in it. And so it's simultaneously, it's radically educational focused. You're trying to educate and teach them how to get the outcome they want. Like, here's how to get found. Here's how to get listed in, um, you know, in, in 
Google, you know, my business or something or whatever it is, you're trying to teach them something. And then you're introducing somewhere in that how the product is going to help them do that. And that's why I think it, you're able to kind of be successful with running paid ads to it and stuff. And a lot of companies, it seems like a lot of companies maybe are lazy in this approach and they kind of write the educational article and it's either just like join our newsletter or, you know, try a, try our product free banner at the bottom of the article. So can you walk me through how, how do you think about crafting an educational piece of content and put like promoting the product in it? Do you know from the beginning, for example, what feature you want to promote with it? Do you start with like, here's the 20 pieces of education we want to give now? What let's reverse engineer what, what where we could mention the product, where it makes sense? Like, how, how do you how do you do that? Yeah, uh, great question. Uh, first of all, I have uh, a phrase I always use uh, in this kind of situation where uh, some company or some marketer is having trouble uh, justifying to invest money to prom into promoting their content. So if you cannot justify money to promote your content, how did you justify the effort to create it in the first place? So that's basically uh, my question. I love that. In terms of how we decide, uh, it's quite easy and uh, straightforward we have uh, a metric that i try to popularize back in the day when i was creating my uh, blogging for business course which is listed uh, in hrefs academy uh, basically this metric is called business potential and it is a simple score from zero to three uh, that gauges how easy it would be to promote uh, and sell a product to the reader of this article uh, in the context of this topic. So where three means that your product is basically an irreplaceable solution and there's no way to solve this problem unless you, you have this product. So for us, it would be something related to uh, backlink research. You cannot really see the backlinks of your competitor unless you use a tool like HREP. There's no way to do it manually. You cannot go around the internet and pick up links manually. You have to, to, to have a tool for this. Uh, business potential too means that your product helps a lot, but it's not essential. Uh, you, you can do, uh, you can solve your problem without it, but your product helps a lot. It saves you time, uh, which is very important. Uh, business potential of one means that you can mention the product, but it's not helpful for solving the issue. So people would be aware that your product exists but they would have no motivation to, uh, to buy it right there uh, because there are so many other options. So it's not necessarily that, that you, so you can use the product, but it's not necessarily, it's not that helpful. And business potential of zero means that there's no way to even squeeze a mention of your product in this article. So basically for every content idea that we have in our big master list of content ideas, we grade them, we uh, put the scores from three to zero if we think that uh, in this context we can successfully promote our product. How we are going to promote it, like you said, which, which specific feature, no, we don't discuss those like small details, but uh, when you know the product well and when you look at the topic and you kind of in your head you imagine how you're going to write about this topic, 
some relevant features do pop up. You understand, okay, so if I'll be talking about this, there's this functionality that I can mention. This is business potential of two. Oh, this topic is like, this is this is made for HREPs. This is business potential number three. And then we uh, weigh topics based on their search traffic potential, based on the, the competition, how hard it would be to rank for them, uh, based on their business potential. Uh, we also have this interesting metric that we don't really put into a spreadsheet, but it is how excited are you to write about this topic? Because this is actually very important. We don't try to force topics on our writers. We want to make sure that everyone is actually intrinsically excited to, to cover this topic because then the content becomes better. And yeah, uh, it's, it's not a scientific process because you cannot really make a formula out of it uh, and create a final score. So this has like the, the final score of 3051 and this has 2083. No, we just look at those uh, things independently uh, and make decisions. Some of these decisions end up working very well. Some of these decisions end up working okay. Some of these decisions won't work. We are not uh, always spot on with all of our decisions, but this process helps us to be right way more than we are wrong. Right. Yeah, this is, this is a really good idea. So is this... I mean, in true SEO fashion, is it starting, are the ideas formulated by keyword research or is it? Yes, yes. Okay, okay. I wasn't sure if, I know we've been increasingly talking to companies that do a hybrid of, you know, we'll listen to sales calls or talk to customers or, you know, and that's and keyword, keyword research. research. There you go. Okay. So is that how you think about that's it? keyword like, research. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, our keyword research is not something you do uh, every year on the 1st of September. Uh, keyword research is uh, a process that happens all the time because when I'm uh, when I'm browsing Twitter and they see someone is mentioning some question or a topic or a new trend, I go and put it into Ahrefs Keyword Explorer and they check what kind of searches exist around this topic. If I see something interesting, I go and add it to our master list of topics. And master list of topics is not the responsibility of any single individual. It's not my responsibility. It's not the responsibility of our head of content. We don't have a dedicated person with the title SEO. We don't have this kind of person who would be responsible for list of topics. Anyone in our team can add a keyword to the master list of keywords. And then anyone else, when they are looking for new topics to, to write about, uh, they can pick up this keyword if they think they can do a good job uh, addressing it. So basically, uh, this is an ongoing process for us. So yes, sales calls, uh, observing social media, uh, reading feedback, all of that can result in a good topic in our list. Uh, and then we just compare all those topics uh, against each other and see which ones at this moment, at this present moment in time, uh, would be the most, uh, would make the most sense for us to cover. Awesome. Yeah, we we are uh, in the beta version of doing something similar where we're sort of listening on LinkedIn, seeing what topics you know people are interested in. Um, obviously, Databox has been pretty heavy with keyword research in the past, um, but looking at those other other places, and um, I'm excited to like see how the team can like lean into it more. And I love this approach of ranking it with a number. And just thinking more strategically, I think about, you know, instead of like putting something at the footer, like, or in the middle of the article, you know, like w what is the right feature having, having flexibility to say, like we could promote a lot of features or a lot of different, like, um, you know, utilities that the product offers or like, where's the right placement for it. Um, okay. I 
think I have like more questions we didn't get to, but I want to be respectful of your time. This has been such a fun conversation. I always love talking to you. Thank you so much for coming on, Tim. And uh, where should people go? I mean, it's ahrefs.com, obviously. Um, and then, like I said, go go uh, follow Tim on Twitter and check out the pinned uh, tweet that he has, thinking about ROI. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot for doing the job uh, of pitching me for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. I said, I said, where can people go? And then I just told them. So is there, any, <laughs> is there anything else you want to promote for Ahrefs? No, 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 no. That's, that's, I, I said thank you for doing the job for me. I okay. don't need to, to do anything else. Okay, sounds good. Thanks so much for listening. If you found this episode valuable, check out our other episodes or subscribe to get new ones. If you want to support the show, we'd love for you to leave a review or share it with someone. And if you want a tool to help you track and improve your business performance, try Databox free at databox.com.